All right, there we go. Tonight in part, what, three of a four-part series where we check in with these teams prior to spring, spring practices beginning. We're covering Oklahoma, Tennessee, Florida, and Ole Miss. We'll do all of that right after the stinger. Felix Sharp here, Matthew Bruning there for CampusToCanton.com. I think we're going to call the show Campus to Canton Live tonight. I think that that's where, what we're, we're going to go away from Debbie Debate to Campus to Canton Live, so just deal with it. Just deal with it. We're covering OU, Tennessee, Florida, and Old Miss. Of course, as always, like and like the video and subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers before the NFL draft. You all were great getting us to 3,000 in a really relatively short period of time. I don't see why we can't get to 4,000 subscribers here and help uh, our format of fantasy football that includes college football to help uh, that format grow. Before we get into the content tonight, I do want to note Nicholas Ian Allen's good morning football. He started a live show in the morning uh, all on his own, so give that a look. He'll be live tomorrow at 10 a.m. Check that out and check out all of this week's shows. Nick Nicholas Ian Allen is absolutely uh, doing it on the YouTube page. Now, we are endeavoring. We are endeavoring to take calls on these live shows, but... But our intern, JJ, is holding it up, is holding it up. He, this is his project. We need to get him going on here. So I want you all to tweet at, J, at JJ, at Parker 1738 on Twitter, and tell him, let's go. Let's go. Let's get it done so we can take calls into the show. All right, Matthew. Um, I think this is a good one because all of these teams are exciting in their own right. Uh, at least they will be in 2024. Let's start with Oklahoma here. Of course, uh, Coach Brett Venables is still there, but Jeff Levy is off to Mississippi State. They bring in offensive coordinator Seth Luttrell, who was the head coach for seven years at North Texas. If you remember Jalen Darden a few years ago uh, yeah. at North Texas, kind of running through secondaries. He was actually a, probably a wide receiver one. Uh, Seth Luttrell was his head coach. Jalen Darden now, of course, with the Bucks. He was an offensive analyst with the team last year, and we've seen some other um, coaching trees kind of take this path. Steve Sarkeesian was the offensive analyst for Alabama before taking over for Lane Kiffin in, what, 2016 or something like that. Uh, Latrell is a former player at OU. His dad played at OU, so this is a legacy hire here, and he coached under both Mike Leach and Sonny Dykes. So I would expect that we're going to have, you know, a spread system, maybe not the RPO heavy system under uh, Jeff Levy, but we are going to be passing the ball a lot, or at least I would expect to under Latrell. He has also coached Nick Folds, Nate Sudfeld, Rob Gronkowski at Arizona, and Mitch Trubisky. So a little bit of a track record there. He is going to be the play caller, but he is co-offensive coordinator with Joe John Finley, who is the co-offensive coordinator and tight ends coach. They lose uh, uh, Drake Stoops and Austin Stogner to the NFL draft. And this is a team that lost, you know, some offensive production to the transfer portal. Of course, Dylan Gabriel, Tawi Walker to Wisconsin, one of my kind of favorite under the radar backs. Marcus Major, who felt like an institution at OU. He's gone. Dylan Smothers is gone. Davis Belleville, who we kind of remember, what, two years ago having that terrible 
uh, uh, game at the end of the season when when all the quarterbacks were hurt there uh, for Oklahoma. They do add Deion Burks from Purdue, Belleville, Michigan, stand up. Uh, Jake Roberts, a tight end from Baylor. Casey Thompson, a journeyman quarterback now for depth. Uh, this is a team that's offensive returning production is 46% or 109 in the country. Matt, I think the the question for OU is going to be, you know, can Jackson Arnold mesh with Seth Luttrell? Can Seth Luttrell get the ceiling that we expect out of Jackson Arnold? I mean, I think so. You mentioned what he was able to do with Jalen Darden. If you just go look at his offenses over the past couple of years, again, North Texas. So, you know, take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. They're not obviously playing the competition that Oklahoma will be playing heading into the SEC. But you're talking about, you said, hopefully passing the ball out of his, what is that? One, two, three, four, five, his six years um, being the head coach. I'm sorry, seven years of being a head coach at North Texas only two of those were underneath the average line when it comes to passing the ball in a neutral uh, rate situation of over 50%, had a very good um, success rate as well, over 45% most of those years, except for those two as well. His wide receiver ones, you mentioned Jalen Darden and the year that he had, most of his wide receivers average anywhere of 20 points or more. The Jalen Darden year, 30 points a game. So I imagine you are right. He was likely a wide receiver one. That was the year that he went off. So, I mean, this offense, I think, is going to be high-flying. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have I, I have some questions about the wide receiver core, but I think overall for Jackson Arnold, he should absolutely thrive, I think, in this offense. They, they, I think they will have a good running game uh, overall, some decent wide receivers, and what he can do throwing the ball, and obviously with his legs as well, I think will bring a, a new dynamic to Seth Michelle's offense. Uh, I really like Deion Burks. Um, he seemed really explosive at Purdue at times. Now, Hudson Card wasn't able to get him the ball as consistently as maybe they can at Oklahoma, but there were times where, I mean, he was just a tough tackle, you know, was was even uh, getting a lot of yards after the catch. I like Deion Burks. I like this landing spot. Um, I think my question as far as the offense goes is, one of the things I really liked about Jackson Arnold was his ability to run the ball. Not like Lamar Jackson, but kind of like Matt Corral. That's Matt Corral with less arm strength was what uh, Jackson Arnold remind me of coming out of high school, coming out of what, Denton, Texas, I think so. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if they will let him run the ball under this offense. I think that he should absolutely be a part of the running game in the read option, you know, there with uh, Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck in the backfield. We should be giving carries to Jackson Arnold um, and not just having him run, you know, scramble drills or unscripted plays. So that's kind of something that I would be watching for. It's not something we're going to expect to see in the spring game this year, of course, because quarterbacks don't run in the spring game. But I would be paying attention to um, how often he is used uh, uh, as a running threat when the season starts in September. Speaking of the running game, Matthew, I mean, your boy Gavin Sawchuck, he would seem to be the top dog going yeah. into 2024, or do you think it's him, or is it going to be some sort of committee, or is it is it the speedster Gavin Sawchuck? I mean, I think he's going to get first crack at it. We'll see if he ends up keeping that job. I think he has a chance to. I think he's also a very good uh, receiving back as well, so he should uh, thrive in that part of the game if they want to use him. Uh, that way, the other running backs on on the roster, obviously Javante Barnes is still there. He had 
in essence, kind of beaten out Sawchuck as a freshman, uh, but has just really seemed to take a step back. I don't know how much of that is due to that dead bone issue that he had in his foot. He just didn't seem like the same player last year. Uh, and Sawchuck was kind of able to um, take over on that. They are bringing in a, a true freshman, uh, Taylor Tatum, who we are pretty excited about here. We think he's going to be really good. I don't know that he eats into Sawchuck's. Uh, workload at all either so I really think he has a chance to really kind of take over and the the big thing I guess I worry about with that is we talked about how often they do pass the ball his running backs at least in his system that he's had at North Texas for those seven years they were only averaging a about 12 points a game. He has a couple years in there, but it was early 2016, 2017, 2018 that those running backs were averaging almost 20 points a game. So I think a lot of that, Gavin Sawchuk's value, I think, is going to come from the receiving game if he is used in that. Well, he only had 18 receptions last year for less than 100 yards, uh, if I'm reading. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, 18 targets, 14 receptions for 94 yards. But I didn't realize this but he had 744 yards on the ground on 120 carries averaging over six yards per attempt i mean so he's i mean been your boy he's an explosive player uh javante barnes who kind of had a better freshman season than sophomore season he had 140 uh yards rushing on 37 attempts last year i mean tawi walker really kind of and marcus major kind of really filled the uh the the gap there in their in javante barnes second year but i would expect um uh uh Barnes to be more heavily involved this year. I do want to note, excuse me, that last year they brought in two freshman running backs, both of whom I liked in Caleb Hicks and Dylan uh, Smothers. Caleb Hicks is there. Dylan Smothers at, wait, who's left? Who's the one that left? Um, Smothers uh, left. Hicks yeah, is yes, still yeah. there. I, 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 I like both of them. I like both of them, so I would keep an eye out on both of them. I don't know if I'm rostering either, uh, you know, right now. So, um, all right. Uh, you want to talk about Taylor Tatum, the freshman, the four-star freshman running back here, uh, that was 18th overall according to our recruiting rankings? Yeah, he is a explosive back that I think could come in there and – I think he brings a little bit of a different dynamic, obviously, than Gavin Sawchuk. I wasn't that high on Hicks, uh, so I don't know that he'll be a guy that I, I, I think will seed into that value. I do think Taylor Tatum comes in and really has a chance to, to go in there and play. I don't – I actually don't think I have him graded. I was going to, to look at where – um, I have him. I actually don't have him graded currently, but you said we have him as 18. I know yeah, he's higher than that. Yeah, he's got to be higher than that in the services. So maybe someone – I'm actually going to look right now. I'm going to find out who on our team doesn't like him so I can – I mean, it's also a weak, a weak running back class. but It is. Um, the offensive freshmen to pay attention to in this OU class are Tatum, the four-star running back from Longview, Texas. Uh, Zion Kearney, a four-star wide receiver from Missouri, Texas. And uh, Ivan Carrion, a four-star wide receiver from Odessa, Texas. I think that that's where Roy Williams, the former Cowboys and Lions wide receiver, is from Is from Odessa. So, um, yeah, was there anything else you wanted to add on the freshman class? No, I was trying to get this to pull up so I can see. Oh, it's everybody. Um, no, there we go. It's it's oh, of course, it's Mike Valerie, who is his tanking his grade a little bit. Everybody else has him as a tier two running back. We have him clocked at 21.6 miles per hour. Um, an eight point 
a 0.848 athleticism score, which is really good. Uh, like I said, I, I think he's going to be a very good running back for them. I think he could be the guy. I think he brings physicalness. Uh, I don't think I said that earlier. Uh, he's a very physical runner as well. That I think he brings in with Sawchuck is not really. Uh, so I think he could bring that kind of what we saw out of uh, Marcus Major and Tywee Walker last year for them. I think he could do that because I don't know that Hicks does that. Again, I, I was not very high on, on Klee Hicks, so I could be wrong on him, but he was a um, three-sport three athlete as well. Played baseball and ran track and field um, in high school along with playing football. Uh, let me. I want to go back to Sawchuck here because you interviewed him uh, his senior year in high school going yeah. into uh, college do you, do you think that he's you know an nfl player or is this just a potential very good because he's a sub 200 pound back so is, yeah. are we talking about bucky irving here or you know theo riddick or is he got a guy that's just not going to be an nfl player i think he is going to be but i don't view him as like a rb like i think at best you're probably looking low-end rb2 because of how good of a receiver he is i mean i you throw this name out there and and I don't want people to think this is who I'm comparing him to. I'm not, but he works with Christian McCaffrey in the offseason to become a better route runner and a receiver. You could argue Christian McCaffrey is one of the best in not just the NFL, but possibly NFL history at running back to do it. He's one of the best. They both went to the same high school in Colorado. They have a rapport there, but he doesn't have like the elite shiftiness and breakaway speed that like those guys will that will get the workhorse workhorse role. So I think he has a shot to be something at the fantasy level, but like I don't view him as a high end asset. He will get drafted. I think he's probably a day three guy though. I'm never believing in the hey I work with an NFLer corollary because uh I think it was Tavoris Jones who who went to the same high school as Aaron Jones down in El Paso. Yeah. And uh you know, Tavoris Jones has never done anything. So, well, you know, Tavoris right. Jones, Gavin Sawchuk, I think that, you know, it's a little bit different. Gavin Sawchuk's, I think, talented. Tavoris Jones, I did not think was talented. Well, you might be end up being right on something because I've made fun of you for your love of Gavin Sawchuk. So, uh, every squirrel finds a nut. Uh, well, we'll see in 2024. Um, all right, let's move on here to Tennessee. Josh Heupel is still there. Uh, they lose Joe Milton, Jalen Wright, and Jabari Small. That's a lot of production from the backfield out in 2024. They do add transfers. Chris Brazell, our Brazel from Tulane, um, who I think is a redshirt sophomore going into 2024, a long, lanky wide receiver. Uh, I, I think he's like six foot three, about 190 pounds or something like that. Uh, Holden stays a tight end from Notre Dame. And uh, they add freshman Mike Matthews, Jake Merlinger. Merklinger, am I saying that right? Matt and Brandon Staley. Yeah, Merklinger. Um, they are they are a hundred and first in in they are hundred and first in adjusted offensive returning production. So you know we're talking about the back half of the NCAA in returning production, but I mean this offense is going to revolve around Nico Iamalieva, who had two rushing touchdowns in the bowl game against Iowa. I didn't see that coming, Nico Iamalieva being a rushing threat. My bad. There we go. No, I, I agree with you. It, I It was exciting to see that, I think, in the bowl game because we got a little bit of that out of Hendon Hooker two years ago, though he is not nearly the athlete that Nico is either. But we, at least we got to see him running a little bit. I don't feel like we got enough of that out of Joe Milton. 
my hope is they will continue to use him in that way. Obviously, you, the fear with that is, though, he is obviously that very slender build. Everybody calls him Slenderman for a reason. If, if you look at him out on the field, um, obviously ran a lot in high school, never really got hurt to my knowledge or suffered any major injuries. So you hope that that doesn't happen at the college level. I think that's the only fear you have of him running the ball. But if they really use him that way that they did in the bowl game, I mean, we're looking at a guy who has a shot to be a true fantasy stud, not just because of what he can do passing the ball, but obviously running as well. Let me know in the comments if Matt's audio is going in and out. I, I, it could just be my headphones, but um, that's what I'm looking for, is can this offense return to its 2022 form under Hendon Hooker when they beat Alabama? They were aggressive vertically. It's not like they don't have the weapons. I mean, that offense had Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman. Squirrel White, in my opinion, is just as talented as Jalen Hyatt as far as being a deep threat goes. They got Dante Thornton. I don't know if Brew McCoy is going to be, be healthy. I think that's probably why they got uh, Chris Brazell there. But while, while Joe Milton had the strong arm, He's never been like an accurate passer going back to his time at Michigan. Nico Iamalieva, if there's one thing that he's always done well, is throw that deep ball, and that's the type of offense they ran in 2022 with Hendon Hooker. That offense is really fun to watch. I hope we get back to it here this year. Yeah, I mean, you talked about how fun it was to watch. They passed every year of Josh Heupel, so his time at UCF and Tennessee were over 50%, including in one year UCF, 56% of the time. And that's just fun to watch. The The worst year uh, for them was 2018, but the second worst year was 2023, where there was only 48% of the time. Uh, it was a little bit more than that, about 50% of the time there with, um, uh, who was I just talking about? Hendon Hooker. But overall, success rate has been in the upper 40s for most of his career in that offense. And then explosiveness has been really, really good. I mean, you talk about 1.6 is the average. There, most seasons is at 1.7, except for, you guessed it, the year you just talked about, that 2023 year, their pass explosiveness was only at 1.3%. It's not good. It was also the worst year for their wide receivers. Talk about, you know, you talked about Squirrel White and some of those guys. Those guys are typically in the Josh Heupel offense, averaging 21-plus points a game, 12 points a game for wide receiver one in 2023. It really feels like Joe Milton was the reason that that offense was held back, and I agree with you. I think having Nico there – we're going to see a massive bounce back. And as crazy as it is to say, like we could be looking at Tennessee as possibly one of those teams as a, um, uh, what's the word that they're using to make the 12 team playoff. I forgot what the word is. Cause they're not going to win the sec. A playoff but, uh, team? What are you talking no, about? No, no. They talk mean? about, uh, the, um, those other teams. I don't remember what they call them nowadays. Um, that make it in. If you're not a, a conference winner, cause supposedly we haven't really talked about this on the show. The bid for the, I know we're getting completely off track here, but the bid for the power fives to not all get a spot got um, de declined or whatever. So the Pac-12 is getting an automatic bid into the playoff as of right now. doesn't even exist. What are it does exist. About? It's like, Washington State and Oregon State. So there's a shot that we're going to have. They, hey, they, I think it had to be a unanimous vote, and the Pac-12 voted against it. So one of those teams will get an automatic <laughs> bid in. So, okay, I'm. I'm being told I'm being told in the chat that my audio is actually going out. So I'll see if I can get that corrected here. Um, Matthew, they lose Jalen Wright and they lose Jabari Small. Dylan Sampson was actually the second leading rusher on the team with 603 yards. We've been very excited about 
Cam Seldon as a freshman, a wide receiver in high school, kind of like a tweener wide receiver running back. They made him a full-time running back. As far as athleticism goes, there ain't like nobody in the class like comparable. I mean, that dude is just a beast uh, athletically, but he, I said this after the spring game, he did not look totally comfortable as a running back and going into the 2024 season, he didn't give, get as much time as Dylan Sampson going into 2024. Dylan Sampson is should be the primary back, and Cam Seldon is going to be sprinkled in here. Is now the time to sell Cam, Cam Seldon, who was probably a, at least a second round pick in most freshman drafts uh, last year? I think so. So, I uh, behind the scenes, we've been updating our rankings as we've moved all the rookies out and really kind of getting our stuff in. I was doing mine. Cameron Seldon, Cameron Seldon is low. For me, a lot lower than I expected, or I guess a lot. I didn't expect some of the other people who have him top 10 in the running back rankings. Granted, we've talked a lot that this is like a weird year, but I think that he is is extremely raw coming in. You're betting 100% on him being an athlete. And what I mean by that, too, is you look at this dude's athletic comparison in our athletic athletic comparison tool on campusdecanton.com, Latavius Murray. I mean, say what you want about him, maybe not living up to his NFL hype. He's still in the NFL, was a great back for, what, a decade plus at this point? Matt Forte, Adrian Peterson, Bo Jackson, Herschel Walker, Beanie Wells, David Johnson. I mean, it's a list of who's who and who succeeded in the NFL. But the problem is, I don't think he's anywhere near as talented in the overall running back game as any of those players. Like the your your best hope is he turns out to be like a Matt Forte because of how great of a receiver he was um, in the NFL. David Johnson too, obviously kind of limited because of his injuries. But I think his vision is horrible. I, I just don't think he knows how to play running back personally. He switched back and forth not only between wide receiver and running back in high school. He also played defense. With what Tennessee possibly has coming for them in the twenty twenty four season again, what I think they could be. I think that while he will get a work, he will get the work. And I pulled up um, their their running backs. Do I think Austin just mentioned it in the chat? They do split fairly often. You're looking at um, typically their running backs. It's like almost a sixty forty split. Um, in the previous years, I know Austin mentioned in the pro in the bowl game it was a twenty thirteen split for Dylan Sampson Cam Seldon. But typically, if you go back and look what they've done, it's been almost a sixty forty split. And their running backs, both of them average fairly well. His running back ones typically average anywhere from 12 to 17 points. His running backs to 10 points. I mean, 10 points is maybe a flex starter for you every week. So with his explosiveness and how great of an athlete he is, I do think if you want to hold on to him, you can. But like, if someone really thinks he's a top 10 back, I'd probably try and move him. I don't. I don't have him that high. I, I can pull my rankings up. I think I have him closer to 24 than I do 10. Like, I just... I just think he's got to improve a lot as a running back. And granted, being a great athlete, you can succeed in college doing that. I don't think you succeed in the NFL as much being just a great athlete. Yeah, the problem is is that this running back class is relatively weak. And so if you're going to take a shot on a running back, you might as well hold Cam Seldon, as as Austin mentioned in the uh, in the chat here. They split 2013. They split 20 carries, 13 carries uh, in the bowl game. So. Um, Potential post-spring transfers, Matthew. I think that we have to consider Nathan Leacock, who was a late riser in the recruiting rankings, that he's a potential post-spring transfer, recorded no stats 
in uh, it was a year one zero. They bring in two, you know, highly touted wide receivers in this year's class. He's going to be behind Squirrel White, Dante Thornton, Caleb Webb, and um, and Chris Brazel, who they brought in. I mean, I don't know why Nathan Leacock would stay around, you know, for his what third year to see if he can get on the field. I don't know if he can get on get in there. I, if we're talking about potential post spring transfers the, of the fantasy relevant ones, I would circle Nathan Leacock to you know be out of here. Yeah, he he would be my vote as well to probably on his way out the door. He was the guy that we liked because he was going to Tennessee, a decent wide receiver. But I think the the wide receiver they brought in and in, in Mike Matthews is is overall better. Um, can work really good in the middle of the field, good route runner, explosive after the catch. Uh, so I, I think Leacock could probably be on his way out. Just to clarify, as I wanted to pull it up, I have Cameron Selden as my RB eighteen, just ahead of one Gavin Sawchuck at nineteen. So, oh, I I have I think I have him way lower than than I, I don't blame you. The biggest thing is it's just so hard trying to find to argue putting guys over him because, like I said, of how great of an athlete he is. Like guys right behind him, your boy, two of your boys, actually. So you're probably going to yell at me. Omari and Hampton and DJ Giddens I have right behind him. Uh, then I have a couple, a bunch of freshmen, James People, Taylor Tatum, K1 Lacey. So, like, I, I think it's, it's hard. And Quentin Martin's right in that range as well, but I have him above Selden. Like, it's, it's just running back is, I think, you could argue top heavy. And when I say top heavy, there's like four guys that I really want. And then it's just kind of like a, how do you think they're going to do college wise? I think. All right. Do you, let's move on here to Florida. Matthew, do you want to take Florida here to start? Because my audio is messing up. I'm going to try to fix it here. Yeah. Live on. Yeah. Uh, so with Florida, there was no massive changes on the coaching staff, at least when it comes to Billy Napier. Obviously, we can talk about what we think might happen with him later. No changes on the offensive coordinator side. They did bring in Ron, Ron Roberts as co-defensive coordinator, a fairly experienced defensive coordinator as well. Uh, took Auburn last year to 17th overall in total defense. And when he was with Baylor, uh, they had um, an incredible year that year, ranking top in a lot of the categories such as uh, run defense, scoring defense, turn turnovers, turnover margin, defensive touchdown. So he really did a good job of kind of making that uh, defense run something that I think could help out Florida a lot. As we saw Graham Mertz in that offense last year was not as bad as at least some of us thought it was going to be. I was not, um, obviously, you know, Felix will be back here in a minute, talked about Graham Mertz possibly being the next Peyton Manning. We actually saw him kind of not take that massive step forward, but like a good step forward last year with Florida. So possibly having a much better defense to get them the ball more often could uh, make this team and offense more exciting. Uh, the key departures, uh, Ricky Pearsall, who is their leading wide receiver, leaves, and then obviously the, the big one too, Trevor Etienne. Probably their two best offensive weapons outside of Graham Mertz, Felix, are, are gone. Trevor Etienne to Georgia, and then Persall, I believe, went to the NFL. So uh, big, big losses for them on offense. I mean, there's not a lot left in this room. They did get, um, you know, Austin's in the chat. His boy, Clay Millen, transferring in a quarterback. More probably is just a depth move in case something happens to Mertz uh, because obviously they bring in highly touted freshman quarterback, DJ Lagway. In the freshman class, they also bring in wide receiver, uh, Shimmer DK, who's getting a lot of love out of Wisconsin. Was that two years ago? I think he was having like yeah, yes. that really big spring and everybody was hyping him up as like the next big thing. Uh, what are your thoughts though on the, the wide receivers and running backs? Because to me, I thought that was... They have some interesting names at the top, specifically Eugene Wilson III, who who was really good last year as a freshman for them. But like, I think the depth in both of those. There's races, a name that you haven't said. There's horrible. a name that you haven't oh, said. Arliss Boardingham. Arliss oh, Boardingham, yeah, yeah, yeah. who is my what tight end three on the seat. This dude 
He's a little bit shorter, but he's stocky, you know, in that Delaney Walker type mold. But he's great. Well, he's good after the catch. And we kind of see that these tight ends have uh, a slower trajectory. But he was good last year in his second year. He could have a breakout year, you know, starting here in 2024. I think he's an excellent player. I, again, I, I know he have, I have him in the top five. He might be my tight end too. But Arliss Boardingham is the one that I would, you know, want to see connecting with Graham Mertz. Who, by the way, I didn't realize um, uh, completed 72% of his passes. Now, he didn't even have 3,000 yards passing, 20 touchdowns, three interceptions. A very Russell Wilson-esque uh, yeah. uh, year last year. but. No, I'm, I am very excited about Arliss Boardingham. I mean, he my my thing is with him, and obviously we don't have ways to track like how good the tight ends do, unfortunately, because as Corey mentions in the comments, tight ends don't matter. But going in and looking at his offenses over the past few years, whether it was with Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, or Florida, like they just don't pass the ball. It's a, now granted he did not have a very good passing quarterback, obviously at, at Louis, it was it, is it their ULL, right? I always get that one messed up. It's ULL there. It was Lee. Oh, I want to say was, was it Levi Williams? Am I remembering that correctly? Whoever their quarterback was, was a your Levi beat. Lewis, Levi, Levi Lewis, Levi Lewis, like yeah. a rushing threat. Couldn't throw for anything. They obviously that first year when they were going back and forth between Help me out here. Anthony Richardson and who? Who who would they not let Anthony Richardson play over in that first year? Uh, the number six overall pick um, who went to Cincinnati. Oh, come on now. Um, oh, I'm forgetting remember. his. Yeah, I'm he, like, you I'm remember when PFF, P, PFF mocked him number six Emory overall Jones. to the Emory Eagles. Jones, that's right. Emory Emory Jones. Jones. Emory because Jones, me and Austin yeah. had the – he got to kick me in the nuts at the, at the, um, the expo if Emory Jones really went as a top ten pick. Um, and then that next year, though, when Richardson was the starter, they passed it a little bit more. But last year was by far his heaviest year passing the ball and was still only 45% of the time. And granted, as you mentioned, Graham Mertz, like, say what you want, did get 3,000 passing. It's like he actually played fairly good. I think there was a lot of people who thought Florida was going to be like a two-win team last year. They surprised people because of how well Graham Mertz played. And because of that as well, Ricky Pearsall I think skyrocketed in value. He averaged 16 points a game. I mean, that, that was amazing. Nobody averaged more than 12 points a game. The rest of the time, Billy Napier's been a head coach. So that's kind of my big fear with this offense is I understand it's a one-year sample size and Graham Mertz kind of making it better, but like, is it going to be Eugene Wilson? Is it going to be Arliss Boardingham? Like, I think it's probably going to lean toward Eugene Wilson. So not that Arliss Boardingham is a bad player, but I just don't know that he has like any real fantasy value in this offense. Do you have a strong take on whether you'd have rather have Eugene Wilson or Kevin Concepcion out of uh, NC State? Oh man, see this is bad because I still have. I keep saying on this show I'm going to watch Kevin Concepcion, and I still have not done that. Right now, I'd probably take Eugene Wilson. I haven't ranked higher. Being at Florida, I think that matters. And if DJ Lagway ends up being half of what we think he could be, like Eugene Wilson could be in for another massive year. And if he gets targeted the way that Ricky Pearsall did last year, I think he's in for a massive season. This year. Colin Decker's boy, right? I mean, that's the guy. I can't remember what he said. Stardom or sit him and Austin flamed him and then was like completely wrong on campus life. But yeah, I think right now I'd probably take Eugene Wilson. I have not watched uh, DJ Lagway in depth. I've only well, I've seen the highlights and I've heard kind of the description of his traits. Are we talking about like a Jabarcus Russell 
type uh, quarterback here. Not not that's a good comp actually, but I, I'm not using that oh, yeah, as a yeah. pejorative. Yeah. I'm saying like the, somebody who has that type of arm talent. Yes, uh, there is not a throw on the field I don't think he can't make. He he is that talented as a passer. My biggest fear with him and why I think Jamar, well, maybe I'm letting like what happened with Jamarcus Russell affect me. I don't remember how good his footwork was in college. I, I know obviously a lot of the stuff in the NFL was he was just lazy and didn't like watch film and everything. Lagway just seems to me to have horrible footwork, like almost all the time. But, like, on an athletic scale, he's right up there with, like, your boy Lenora Sellers. Like, that's actually one of his top comps. Like, he's a really good rusher, extremely strong arm. Uh, hang on. I just had – I was trying to pull it up so I can see here. And we have him at a, a ball velocity, approximate ball velocity at 53. It's one of the best in this class. It, it's high – over 50, I'm told, is very good. Runs 20.9 miles an hour, so almost at 21 threshold. Like, he's – going to be a really fun quarterback. I just think the mechanics are kind of all over the place. I mean, the throw that went viral last year was like him doing this jump throw that I'm almost positive went like 50 or 60 yards. Like he's just got all the tools. And if he can refine them, I think like he will be the best quarterback in this class. But obviously the big question is going to be is can Billy Napier really help develop him or get the best out of him? Because we saw the not even arguably so far the most athletic quarterback to ever enter the NFL and Anthony Richardson under Billy Napier. And they couldn't figure out to get almost anything out of that kid. So like, that's, I think the big fear in a guy like DJ Lagway coming to this program. Well, I mean, that's what happens when your a coach just brings his system and doesn't tailor it to uh, the talent that exists there with the program. And we knew that that was going to be Billy Napier's problem. Yeah. And it was, um, which is why he might not, not be the coach next year. Let me ask you this. Um, is there an argument? I mean, I think that there is. Would you rather, would you take DJ Lagway over Dylan Rayola? I would. I, I have Lagway as my QB one um, because I don't, it's, it's scary to say this because you could, we could have a Malachi Nelson thing all over again, but I don't think there's almost any way he's not the guy for Florida next year, whether Billy Napier is there or not. Lagway is just that highly, uh, I mean, Lincoln Riley wanted him. He is the, I think, the quarterback with the best overall intangible and tools in this class. The only argument I think you can make for Dylan Rayola is that he is going to be starting at Nebraska next year. So, like, his value could increase if he plays well. But then I think the other side of that is you argue if Lagway doesn't play or if we see him in limited times and say he does something like Aiden Childs did for Oregon State, then his his, his value is going to increase as well. But I think Lagway overall has much better tools, but not nearly as refined as Rayola. Yeah, I mean, I think, listen, you guys, anytime I um, highlight or tout a pocket passer, always get thrown in, the, in my face that, oh, they, they can't have, they don't have a high fantasy ceiling. Well, Dylan Rayola is a pocket passer. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, by default, I feel like that means that you have to take DJ Lagway, uh, number one. I, I do mean, want I to take emphasize that we, we know that Billy Napier uses. What'd you say? Oh, I'd say I take my guy Luke Croman hook over Dylan Rayola, too, but that's like blasphemous. Oh, for real? So, oh, 100%. Okay. Um, right, well, well, I guess we'll talk about that once we get to the ACC. Um, I do want to emphasize that Billy Napier uses a committee. He always he has always used a committee. I mean, going back to his time at uh, Louisiana Lafayette, you're talking about Raymond Calais, uh, 
Elijah Mitchell, Trey Ragus, all those guys. I think there was a year where all of those guys had a thousand yards rushing, or maybe like all of them had more than seven hundred yards rushing, or something. I believe uh, like. I believe two of them did, and one had 900, I believe, is, is how it was. And then my boy, um, I forgot the the running back that I liked who was a freshman there out of Louisville, Mississippi. I forgot his name, but he had like 400 yards rushing the year that those two of those guys had uh, uh, 1,000 yards rushing. So I would watch out for that. Uh, Montrell Johnson, of course, is back, and then Trayon Webb is returning in, what, his second year? Uh, mm-hmm. He had 160, 163 yards rushing last year. He was the third leading rusher after Trevor Etienne, who has departed for Georgia. So uh, we always want to see what Billy Napier is going to use in the backfield, even though even though that might not be guys you can actually start on the college side of your league. So, all right, um, that takes us to Ole Miss. Do you want to take us through Ole Miss too, Matthew? Yeah, Ole Miss, no real changes on uh, the offensive or defensive coordinator. Obviously, Lane Kiffin uh, used Alabama as a chance to get himself a better contract, but did not end up going to Alabama. Zachary Franklin, Spencer Sanders out uh, through the NFL draft, transferred out a bunch of players. Now, I'm going to list these guys. After the top two, none of them really mattered for fantasy, but I think to just kind of emphasize how wide open this wide receiver room could be, Quinshawn Judkins out, Michael Trigg out. Even though Michael Trigg never really, I think, realized the value or the potential we had hoped he would in that offense, he's still a big name going to Baylor. Judkins obviously on his way to Ohio State. Then running back Jam Griffin out, and wide receivers Larry Simmons, Jeremiah Griffin, Braylon Brown, and J.J. Henry all transferred out in Logan, this just offense, by the way, because he, Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Riley, sorry, Lane Kiffin loaded up on defense uh, in the transfer portal. On the offensive side of things, brings in Logan Diggs at running back, Devin Price at wide receiver, Antoine Wells at wide receiver, Daquan right at tight end. So he did a really good job in hitting the transfer portal and kind of loading up on the uh, running back and wide receiver positions that transferred out. And then obviously, we, as being a fantasy show, don't talk a lot about defense, but absolutely killed it on the defensive side of things. They ended up with the number one transfer portal class in 2024, and I believe a top 20 recruiting class as well. So, I mean, Lane killed it in the offseason this year and trying to make Ole Miss a uh, a team that could compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, two of those names uh, on the defense. Prince Amuma, ah, see, I practiced, I practiced this when I talked about Ole Miss when we were doing all those transfer portal videos. Yeah. Prince of Mommy Ellen um, from Florida to Old Miss, and then Walter Nolan, yeah. Walter Nolan from Texas A&M, who was the number one player in his class. So um, they, uh, yeah, they did load up with the number one transfer portal. Um, what are your expectations for Jackson Dart? I mean, you've kind of been a high. Weren't you the one that said Jackson Dart was better than Caleb? Yes, you were. I was going to be. He said Jackson Dart was better than Caleb Williams. I mean, he's he he had a great and excellent season last year, and he's a consensus top ten quarterback. So, what are your expectations for him in twenty twenty four? He did, and there's still a chance for him to have an amazing 2024 season and prove that he is better than Caleb Williams. But that was, I think, the very first argument me and Chris Moxley ever got into. And I thought about it, by the way, is the at-large bids. Those are the teams that make it in that are not conference winners. So that's the word I was looking for. I think he has a chance to be really... We we saw him take a small step forward in 2022 toward the end of the year. And it was a very small step. I think it was like the last three games, if I'm remembering correctly, played really well. And last year, I thought he played a lot better than he gets credit for. He was just very consistent. Was he flashy the way Caleb Williams is? No. 
but he is a gunslinger who can, I think, make every throw on the field. I thought his, his mechanics and footwork improved a little bit last year. He cut down a little bit more on some of those turnovers, and I think he has a chance to do it again this year. I mean, Ole Miss brings back a ton of talent, not just, I mean, defensively, they're bringing a lot of that into the transfer portal, but they're bringing a lot of the main players back on the offensive line uh, back into this team. Like, I think Ole Miss is a very scary team next year, and I think Jackson Dart could absolutely thrive and succeed in this offense, especially with the additions um, in the wide receiver room. Running back, I'm a little worried about because I'm not really high on, on Logan Diggs, and I don't know why we didn't see anything of Kedrick Roscano last year, uh, but they still have Ulysses Bentley, who was very good for them as the, the running back, two behind Judkins last year. So I can't I believe you, Ulysses Bentley is still in, in college. I mean, I feel like yeah, we were talking about him back in 2000 when we first started this show at uh, SMU. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, you know, COVID does wonders for these kids and, and being able to kind of hang on as long as they want to. So I, I think he has a chance to be really good. I, I don't know that I would put him. So their number um, 39 overall. I was trying to bring up uh, Knicks again. The only place you can find returning production, the returning but returning production database is with the C2C winning edge. Go check it out. I promise you it is worth every single penny that you will spend on it. I don't know that I would put him right now in the category of possibly getting first round draft capital, even with as poor as I think this QB class could end up being at the end of the day. There's a lot of names, but not a lot of proven talent at the top of the quarterback rankings right now, at least for who could come out in 2024. I don't know that I'd put him there as possibly being a day one guy, but I, I would say with what I saw at the end of 2022 and the entire 2023 season, unless he falls flat on his face this year, I think he's secured at least day two draft capital, which could be an NFL starter. And that's you know something that I would be excited about because I think he's a very talented player. Uh, I do want to note that Deion Smith is probably not rostered in most campus to Canton leagues. He was at LSU his freshman season. I don't know what happened, if it was grades or whatnot, uh, was in JUCO last year and now is with um, with Ole Miss. He did have 186 yards receiving, so he broke year one zero thresholds. Um, and he had one game with five receptions for 135 yards against Central Michigan and two touchdowns. I mean, that was really the game that put him over. But an explosive player. I know Mike Valerie likes him. Uh, by the way, listen to back to Debbie. They thought they, they – they talked a little bit today about uh, DJ Lagway. So, um, yeah, but Deion Smith, one of those names that, you know, you got to pay attention to the non-freshman that you should take in your freshman and supplemental drafts. He was a name that he would be a name that I would, you know, put a star next to so I don't uh, forget. So, all right. Um, what else should be said? This, this Ole Miss team may, may be like this Kansas City Chiefs team where, you know, Kansas yeah. City has historically relied on its offense, but maybe in 2024, they Ole Miss relies on its defense the way Kansas City relied on its defense here in 2020, the 2023-2024 season. Yeah, I, it's really hard for me to find a player that I absolutely love on this offense from a CFF point of view. And now I, I don't work with the CFF team, so maybe Jared uh, and Nate, Chris K, Ethan will, will tell me I'm wrong on that but like looking at this like maybe it's logan Diggs coming in that that power running back maybe it is kedrick riscano if he's able to take over but like looking at the wide receiver core you know do like is it jordan Watkins, trey harris who are both returning to the offense like did one of them take the step forward to be the wide receiver one aiden williams who was a true freshman last year like i just i don't love antoine wells transferring in who I'm almost positive had a pretty good year last year like it's 
he was hurt much of the year last year. He had a great season the year before. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Year before. Like it's a very interesting wide receiver room, but like, I don't know who you'd bet on as being the top guy. And so like, I just don't like anybody on this team. It makes me, I have no problem rostering. And I think you will be able to start Jackson dart at times because he's also not afraid to run the ball. So you'll get that rushing production out of him. He takes some big hits. Also, I think a problem he not kind of needs a knockout before he gets to the NFL. But I mean, even last year I was trying to pull it up. I mean, their wide receiver one averaged 15 points a game, which is right at the threshold. Wide receiver two, 11 points a game. So, like, it wasn't like a massive separate. It wasn't like what we had those previous years at Ole Miss where you're getting uh, almost 20 and then 25 points a game uh, the years prior to that, 21 and 2020 under Lane Kiffin. I just don't think there's that guy in this offense. So, like, for me, I think it's Jackson, Jackson Dart and then, like, maybe the – cheapest guy you can draft out of the wide receiver room and hope that he hits. Like, I just, I don't know that I like anybody in that wide receiver room. The SEC is going to be fun next year, not just because Texas and Oklahoma are there, but because we're seeing a changing of the guard from Alabama. So is there another team that's going to kind of emerge as the dominant, other than Georgia? Other than Georgia, is there a team that's going to emerge as a, a competitor of Georgia's? And, you know, Ole Miss might be right there. I mean, uh, at the end, so. Well, no, it's not. It's Texas. It's Texas. And then I think it's, I think it's pretty easily, in my opinion, Georgia as the one. Then there's mm-hmm. a teardrop, and then it's Texas, and then I think it's honestly another teardrop, and then you've got I think Ole Miss, Alabama are the next two, and then everybody else comes after. Like I think those are the top four. I think all four could make the playoffs. I think Georgia or Texas wins the SEC. I mean, Texas has the chance to control. I know you guys talked a lot about them. But they play, I believe. No, I don't think they play Alabama. I know they play Georgia in week three. Georgia comes mm. to Texas, so that's going to be a great game because it is not easy to win at the 40 acres. So that'll be a fun game. Texas has a chance to control what happens throughout the SEC. I think th- those are the top two teams. Ole Miss should be considered, I think, right below them on the same tier as Alabama, though. I guess we're going to see Quinn Ewers versus Carson Beck uh, in, in that matchup. Game. That's going to be fun. Can't wait for right. when you were to outduel Carson Beck. Oh, it's going to be glorious. Yeah, Absolutely I glorious. <laughs> I know you hope so. I think that's it. Is there anything else that we need to cover? This for, for No, these I mean, teams? We, we've mentioned the freshmen um, for each team, so I'll just mention the the – I guess the guy to talk about on Ole Miss is Cutler, um, Cutler Bowley. You don't have to worry about it. I don't think he's a, like an extreme. What position? Uh, what quarterback, position? sorry. Wait, actually, I think he's going to Kentucky, so never mind. I don't know why I brought him up. He's going to Kentucky. I did not uh, – I meant to say that. He's going to Kentucky, which we'll talk about them next week, right? Or we already talk about Kentucky? Uh, I can't remember. I, don't, I think we I already talked about Kentucky, but we will be finishing – um, the yes. last four teams in the SEC next week. So stick around for that. Of course, as always, like the video, subscribe to the channel. And I, I don't know if my audio is messing up tonight or what. I mean, I couldn't hear in my headphones and was trying to fix it on the fly. So if it, my audio is messed up, I apologize for that. Um, all right, that's going to be it for us tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon for Matt Bruning. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.